know, the main thing is really training smarter, follow a program that takes both your gender and age into account. Welcome to the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast, where it's all about learning from the best minds in the sport so you can train smarter, stay healthy, and run faster now. And now your host, Tina Muir. Hello, this is Tina Muir. Thanks again for taking the time to tune in to listen to the latest episode of the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast. So today, I'm going to talk to Bennett Cohen. Bennett is the president of the International Association of Women's Runners, and he's a running coach to women over 40. And he's actually helped women over 40, 50, 60, and even into their 70s run personal bests. He's been an avid runner for 37 years and has been a women's running coach for 14 years. He's a great writer who's put over 100 articles on women's running out, and he actually sends a weekly newsletter for women over 40. So any males listening or women under 40, although this does focus on women over 40, you will still get some fantastic advice from this interview, including mental tips for racing, which we can all use. Bennett gives the best advice I've ever heard of how to practice visualization. I really would recommend checking that out. And I think it's about the 25 minute mark. So if you want to skip ahead to that part, you can. Today, Bennett and I are going to talk about how women over 40 can still run their personal bests and how to do it, why quality over quantity is most important and why women over 40 need more rest and recovery than men and women, under 40 of course, (laughs) and how to dramatically reduce your risk of injury. Are you ready to meet Bennett? Let's do it. Welcome to the Run to the Top podcast, Bennett. Hey, glad to be here with you, Tina. We're excited to have you, and uh, this is going to be a great topic. I'm sure a lot of uh, people listening are very intrigued to hear what you have to say today. So why don't we start with kind of you telling us a bit about yourself and your running life, as this is a running podcast. Okay. Well, my name is Bennett Cohen. I'm president of the International Association of Women Runners and running coach to women over 40. Uh, I've been an avid runner for 37 years, and I've been a women's running coach for 14 um, and you know what we do is we specialize in providing coaching and helping resources to help women runners over 40 run their personal best injury free. Great, that's a good answer. And okay, so from there, I'm going to ask the question that I'm sure most people listening are probably having, which is, uh, as a man, how did you end up, you know, focusing on females? Like, what what kind of led you to that? Okay, well. Why coach women runners or to specialize in coaching women runners? Um, I find coaching women runners overall far more gratifying than coaching men. Um, just what I see out there in my experience is that there is a very noticeable difference between men who run and women who run, and that's in their motivation. Uh, for many men, the motivation is an extrinsic. It's based on factors that are external to them. For example, they want to run a race in a specific time, or even better yet, they want to beat their buddy by two seconds in a marathon so they can have bragging rights. And, uh, you know, the loser gets to buy the beers, right? (laughs) Whereas for many women, the motivation for running is intrinsic. It's about what happens to them. Um, en route to overcoming the physical and the mental challenges that they encounter during training in order to achieve their goals for running and racing. So in other words, for a lot of women, it's about the transformation 
And what I see out there is that when women reach their goals for running and racing, their sense of accomplishment has a positive ripple effect into other areas of their lives. And they often become inspiration uh, for other family members, for friends and peers too. Exactly. Great. Yeah, very interesting. And I, I couldn't agree more. And But I actually had never thought about that. And uh, But you bring up great points. And that is true that women do tend that I, I'd never thought about it, how we view, you know, running is different, but you're exactly right. And then why is it older women that you tend to, you know, women over 40 that you tend to like working with? Is there a difference between the younger and the older women? Good question. I find with women over women over 40, they realize for, you know, for a lot of women over 40, you know, they realize, number one, you know, they're not getting any younger. Mm -hmm. And they also real, you know, they also realize, like, let's say if they're at a point where they're stuck in their running or stuck in their training, and they realize that they really need to change things in order to reach their goals for running and racing, they're the ones who are more likely to go looking for a coach. Mm -hmm. Whereas I find that my experience was that a lot of younger women um, you know who are not elite. You know who are not elite athletes. They aren't at that. They aren't at that stage, or they don't have that realization yet. Also, what I find for um, women over forty, as their children become older and require less childcare, you know they have more time and more energy to devote to their running and you know to their running and racing. Mm-hmm. And you know for women who are empty nesters, you know for a lot of them. They always put their family first. Yeah. Now that they're empty nesters, say, time for me. <laughs> and that's good to hear. I think a lot of uh, women struggle with that. I know I'm constantly trying to tell my mother to actually do some things for herself. But now I, I'm 27 years old. I can look after myself. And uh, <laughs> it can be difficult for women to do. But uh, listen to what Bennett is saying here. And then just uh, for anyone listening, we do actually have some other interviews based on other topics with re- regards to older women, which I will put in the show notes at runnersconnect.net forward slash rc79 so that includes uh katherine switzer who is the perfect example of what you were talking about earlier with uh you know inspiring and leading other women and then also margaret webb and uh, kathy martin so be sure to check those out so bennett um how did you start coaching women runners like where did that kind of come from and how did you realize this well just a bit of it, sort of, in order to answer that question, I just want to go back and just talk a bit about my own history as a runner. Sure. I'm not, not an elite athlete, never was an elite athlete. I started running in the late 1970s, part of the first running boom. Um, and really in the first uh, 20 or so years of my running, I had a really unenviable injury history, made a lot of stupid mistakes, never had a coach, you know, my coaching was reading runner's world. That was it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember in the 1980s, I trained for three consecutive marathons where I never made it to the starting line due to injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, my worst injury was a four-year case of bad IT banking. You know, and I tried everything. Uh, I stretched daily. I wore orthotics. I was examined by doctors, treated by physiotherapists. You know, nothing seemed to work. Um, I was frustrated, I was angry, you know, it really didn't seem fair. Um, I began to question my identity as a runner and my own self-worth. And, you know, I'm sure that if you ask my wife, Gail, she'll tell you that it was not an easy person to live with. 
Um, and, you know, but I realized things really had to change. You know, I wanted to run until I was an old man. Um, so what I did was I became a voracious reader and student of everything related to running and exercise physiology. And, you know, I realized that really what the running media at that time was several years behind what the research community already knew in terms of quality training, injury treatment, and injury prevention. And just a few things, you know, a few things um, in that regard, uh, basically emphasizing quality over quantity of running. Um, the, and also the critical importance of performing running-specific strengthening exercises and injury treatment and prevention. And when I put those two principles into practice, you know, I was able to heal from my IT band problems in three weeks. Wow. And this was an injury that uh, had dogged me for four years. Mm-hmm. So when I started coaching in around 2001, this was really at the beginning of the set, what we call the second running boom, when women were really beginning to enter into running and start training in large numbers. Yeah. And uh, back then, most training programs were really just scaled down versions of what elite programs were, running six days a week or even every day. You know, whereas when I was, you know, whereas my coaching clients, they were running three to four days a week. You know, running six days a week, as you can imagine, for many women, it would be very difficult to fit that into an already over-busy life, you know, juggling family commitments, work commitments, other commitments. And then overwhelming, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, men, <laughs> men don't seem to have that problem. You know, they could say, hey, no, you know, no problem. Everybody else will adjust around me. But, uh, you know, for many, you know, many women, you know, it's far more difficult to do that. You know, conversely, so when I was, you know, so my programs called for running three to four days a week. It was far easier for women to integrate that kind of training schedule into their already over busy lives. So um, gradually my coaching practice migrated to primarily women and they began to enjoy success in their running and racing, really regardless of age, experience or uh, natural ability. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting what you said just at the beginning there with, uh, you know, your own history and how you were, you know, frustrated and you weren't a great person to be around, which I'm sure many people listening to that were nodding along because we've all been injured and, you know, been that that grump that's just not not fun to be around. But it's it's great that, you know, it was through your own experience that you kind of learned this and you want to help pass it on to other people. So what just before we go on, what what would you like to say to um, a woman who might be listening and, you know, was kind of nodding along with that and has that guilt of uh you know don't want to um put themselves first and they kind of struggle with that but what would you kind of say do you have any words of encouragement for that woman to listen to this and think you know what i want to do this for myself and to use running for that way words of encouragement would be to just go ahead and do it Mm -hmm. you know your family will accommodate it um they will get a lot you know taking taking a few hours a week to do your training, you know, to do your running, to do your training mm-hmm. and racing. Your family can easily accommodate it. Um, you'll be, and uh, doing that for yourself, you'll be far, far better able to, um, you know, to uh, really to give to your other, you know, to other people in your lives too, because 
you know, you've taken care of yourself first. Yeah. Instead of feeling, you know, potentially resentful for not taking that time for yourself. Great advice there. Okay. And then, so how about uh, women, you know, listening right now, or even men, you know, we tend to think once we get into our, you know, the master's age group, 40, 50, 60, even 70, you know, women or men think, you know, I've, I, it's too late for me, I'm going to keep getting worse, or there's no point in starting now. I know my own father and my mother are like, oh, you know, we're almost 60, it's too late. And what would you like to say to anyone listening right now who is considering running, but they think it, they might be too old? Never too old to start. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you're never too old to race your bets. Yeah, so go on. Yeah, let's, let's dive into that a little bit more. What? What would you like to say about people running, you know, keep improving as they age? You can keep on improving by training smarter, by following a program that takes both gender and age into account. You know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of myths out there that I think that a lot of people believe that really don't, uh, with regard to the inevitability of slowing down as you get older. Mm -hmm. And really, you know, those myths don't really stand up to the uh, harsh light of scientific scrutiny. Um, just two things, you know, two pieces of research that I came across in the past year. Uh, one of them was out of the University of Pittsburgh that showed that there was virtually no difference in the muscle composition in the leg muscles between 40-year-old runners and 70-year-old runners. Wow. So, yeah, so you see that muscle strength does not decline with age. It declines with lack of use. So we use it so we don't lose it. Great. And what was the other one you said you found too? Yeah, this was another piece of research out of the University of New Hampshire that concluded that running economy does not decline with age. So it's like masters and seniors runners are very, you know, are very capable of fast running times. Mm -hmm. So I think the big difference, but, the, you know, the main thing is really training smarter, Follow a program that takes both your gender and age into account, and by being able, by doing that, you now I find that many of our clients are able to race their personal best regardless of their age. You know, I can share with you just like one uh, story about a client of sure. mine. And Ms. Daphne, yeah, her name is Daphne. Um, when she came to me, she was 64. Uh, she was running five days a week. She was doing a spin class two strengthening sessions per week and uh, oh yeah she also started a boot camp with her daughter as the mother-daughter bonding experience <laughs> um, you know she tried to qualify for Boston twice but it fallen way short um, her personal best was a 508 marathon and, and you know and at that point in time for her to qualify she would have had to reduce her time by 23 minutes down to 445 and uh, I remember her exact words she said how can I qualify for Boston without killing myself? So what we did was we totally revised her training program, reduced her running from five days a week down to three days a week. Mm -hmm. um, she was either running, if she was either running long or a race pace run, to faster workouts, to cross-training sessions per week, and targeted strengthening. Um, and 17 weeks later, she reduced her personal best by 33 minutes, beating her Boston qualifying time by 10 minutes. Did you say just, 33 minutes? Yeah, she, <laughs> yeah. So she went down from a 508 to a 435.36. That's, wow, that's fantastic. And, you know, that's just six weeks shy of her 65th birthday. 
And here's a woman who started running when she was 58. That's amazing. That's exactly the kind of thing people need to hear. Mm-hmm. So you talked about, you know, these uh, targeted strengthening, running specific exercises. Would you want to share with us some of the, you know, these strategies that you have been using with your runners and what maybe give some ideas of what runners listening can uh, begin adding into their training? I'd like to, you know, what I'll do is we'll discuss three key strategies that really anyone who's listening can easily implement themselves. Sure. Number one, just take more rest days. Inadequate number of rest days is really one of the most common running areas I see out there. And it's especially important for women runners over 40. You know, like runners, like, for example, Daphne, they're frequently, they run five days, you know, they run five days a week and they come and ask, in order to improve, should I be running more frequently? Mm-hmm. You know, just the opposite. They need to be running less frequently. You know, why? Training's just a continuous cycle of rest and recovery. You know, if you train, then you have rest and recovery. Train, rest and recovery. And when it's managed properly, the body repairs itself and gets stronger during recovery so that it can withstand higher levels of physical stress due to training. So recovery is one half the equation, and that's where you actually get stronger yes. during the recovery okay. period. However, that half the recovery part is half that many runners just pay lip service to or often ignore. <laughs> you know, not devoting adequate time to recovery doesn't allow your body to repair itself and get stronger and leads to staleness, fatigue, overtraining, and injury. You know, there's a large body of research there, and my experience shows that many runners can run personal bests on three to four days a week, supplemented by a couple of days of cross training. Mm-hmm. So often, just cutting back to cutting back frequency of running and incorporating more rest and recovery will enable you to race faster and avoid injury. You know, like I wish I would have known that during my first 20 years of my running. You know, I would have rested a lot more. I would have, you know, I would have been injured far less frequently, mm-hmm. raced often, raced better, injured less frustration, and would have been a lot easier person to live with, too. <laughs> another, you know, another key strategy, emphasize your quality of running, you know, over your quantity of miles or kilometers, you know, because there's a lot of runners who think that just by piling up miles at their usual pace, somehow that will translate into being able to run faster for long distances or during the race, but you know, it just does not work. Why? Because it doesn't provide proper stimulus to your cardiovascular or your muscular or your nervous system to sustain race pace running. Mm -hmm. And it's logical. And you know, I know that both runners connect and I share the same philosophy here. If you don't, yeah, if you don't practice training, your different systems to sustain faster pace running, for your specific race distance, how can you expect your body to run faster on race today? Just won't be up to it, won't be capable of it. So by following a structured progressive program that consists of a mix of a variety of workouts will promote the necessary physiological improvements to your different systems so you can run your best on race today. Mm-hmm. And the third, you know, the third strategy that I wanted to share is incorporate goal pace running into your long runs. Because if you run all of your long runs at much slower than race pace, your chances of sustaining your goal pace during your marathon or half marathon are pretty slim. You know, in my experience, 
and it's quite unfortunate. The gods of running, you know, they rarely sprinkle magic dust on us at the starting line <laughs> so that we can run faster than what we train for. Has it ever happened to you, Tina? Oh, no, I, I've always hoped, but no, not yet. <laughs> no, no, I see the magic dust fall from the sky. Uh, that'd be nice. Uh, no, that doesn't happen. You know, so a few long runs, run the last half at race pace or run them as a progression run where you're gradually speeding up during the run and you finish the run actually running faster than race pace. Mm -hmm. You'll train yourself to hold the pace or even speed up when you're both physically and mentally fatigued. You'll simulate race conditions and you'll see if your goal pace is realistic and all of this will help you be better trained for your race. So just, you know, three strategies, adequate rest, quality over quantity, and incorporate goal pace into your long runs. Yep, great there, great uh, strategies, and thank you for summing that up at the end there. I love that you mentioned the progressive run. That's actually my favorite, especially for the marathon, my favorite thing to do, and you finish it feeling so tough, and, you know, that's the one... I know I personally look back on uh, when I'm standing on the start line, waiting for my magic dust to fall, um, <laughs> that I think about. So um, I'm glad you mentioned that one there because I'm also a huge fan of that one. And then when you mentioned about cross-training, what are your thoughts on do you have a preferred form or does it not really matter in your perspective? The preferred form of cross-training is the one that you're most likely to stick to, the one you enjoy yep. the most. Okay. So, you know, you can debate whether... Uh, you know, cycling or spinning is better for you than swimming or rowing. Just do the one that's the most convenient for you and the one that you like the most because you'll be more you'll be more inclined to stick with it. Yep, great. Okay, and then if anyone else needs any extra uh, motivation to uh, check out cross training and really uh, attack it and believe in it, uh, make sure you check out the show notes. And uh, I will put a link to our podcast episode with um, our star-studded cast of uh, Elliptigo, um, Linda Huey, who is an Olympic coach for uh, pool running, and Alan Webb, the uh, American record holder in the miles. So make sure you check that out if you do need more belief in cross-training. Okay, so let's kind of talk about your coaching specifically. Um, you mentioned to me that only 3% of your clients have ever missed their goal race because of injury. So do you want to kind of share what it is? Is it what you mentioned in those strategies or what you believe is the primary reason for most people being able to reach their goals when so many runners come down with injuries, especially, like you said, trying to get to the start line of a marathon? Two major reasons why my clients are able to train and race practically injury-free. Number one, they follow a program that's both age and gender-specific. Mm -hmm. And number two, they incorporate running-specific strengthening exercises into their training. Um, women over, let's look at the first one, age and gender-specific programs. Women over 40 require more rest than younger women, and they require more rest than men do from our training. Is there and a most, reason for that? Or is that yeah, what? yes. That's just what you were going to explain before I interrupted. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, you know, if you look at most training programs that are out there that you see online or that are in a running, you know, or in a running magazine or part of a running clinic at a local running specialty shop, you know, they don't care whether you're 25, 35, 45, or 65, everybody mm -hmm. runs the same, follows a train, the same training program, and we know, intuitively, we know that's ludicrous, mm -hmm. you know, because 
as we get older, we require more rest and recovery than we do when we're younger. And trying to follow the same program, you know, that a 25-year-old is running is one of the major reasons why women over 40 get injured. Conversely, when they follow a program that has enough rest and recovery for them, that is, specific, you know, that they require, they, you know, that will, is really key to injury-free running and racing. So you were going to ask, why do women over 40 require more rest and recovery than other younger women or, or men? Well, when we train, we sustain microscopic tears in our muscle fibers in our legs and in our feet. Mm -hmm. And as we age, we generate new cells far more slowly than we do when we were younger. So therefore, it takes longer to repair the tears in your muscle fibers that you sustain during training. So it takes longer to recover from hard training. Um, you know, I can recall um, when I was 44, my daughter was 12. And totally coincidentally, we both sprained our ankles on the same day doing different, different activities. And they were both very mild sprains, so the same degree of sprain. And we iced the same. We went to the same uh, physical therapist. You know, after 10 days, she's hopping around, and I'm still hobbling around. Why? Because a 12-year-old girl generates new muscle cells far more rapidly than some 44-year-old guy, yeah. you know, middle-aged guy does. So that's why, as a, you know, as a more mature person, you need more rest and recovery from training than a younger person. Then with regard to women over 40 needing more rest and recovery than men, skew to hormonal differences specifically testosterone. Okay. Testosterone promotes protein synthesis, proteins required to repair muscle, to repair those micro tears that you sustain during training. Women with lower testosterone levels repair muscle damage more slowly than men do, and therefore they require more rest and recovery than men do. Yep. Okay, great. Good answer there. And then what would you like to say to, I know we at Runners Connect, we get quite a lot of questions about um, you know, a woman saying, I'm, you know, um, 65, my training needs to be different to someone who's 55 or, you know, my body, like you mentioned that study earlier where, you know, the, the muscle was the same. But what would you like to say to people who maybe think that it's different even between the age groups? Is, is it kind of uh, your program fits anyone over 40? Or is it uh, different depending on you know, it's the different generation. depending on the individual because what I do is I design a personalized okay. training program for my coaching clients yeah. um, you know which is based upon their running profile their strengths their weaknesses their predisposition to injury yeah. their current fitness level and what their current you know and what their race goal is and then design a program you know, then design a program that takes all that into account. So it's not, so, yeah, so when we're talking, you know, when we're talking about the differences between various ages, they're general, you know, they're generalizations, but obviously within different age groups, there's a lot of variability depending on the individual. You know, and I think Jeff has said, you know, Jeff has said on a, more than one or written on more than one occasion, you're an experiment of one. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's what I was just about to say. I'm glad you agree with us on this, that it's not so much, you know, uh, a 50 year old is different from a 60 year old, but it is your individual circumstances, just like Bennett mentioned. So 
hopefully people will be able to take that away from this interview today um, if you haven't read it in other articles uh, in the past. So are there any other practices or things you would recommend for women over 40 to reduce injury risk? Yes, and this is really big. It's incorporating running-specific strengthening exercises into your training program. Yep. Um, by running-specific, and I'll explain for a second what running-specific means. Most of the time, when a muscle is required to exert force, it's actually shortening. So, for example, let's say if you're holding a dumbbell by the, you know, in your hand as your arms are by your side, and then you bend your elbow and raise your hand and the dumbbell up to your shoulder, your bicep is contracting. It is shortening. Yep. Running is just the opposite. Many times, and most of the time when you're running, your muscles are required to exert force as they are lengthening. So it's called an eccentric, you know, so it's called an eccentric mm -hmm. movement. Um, and that's why running is very tough on muscles. And as a result, in order to strengthen, in order to strengthen your muscles in a running-specific way, you need to be performing exercises that strengthens them while they are lengthening. You know, and for example, here's like just one example. Let's look at our good friend, the IT band. What's its, its job of the IT band and the muscles that are connected to it is to control internal rotation as your foot hits the ground. Um, now, what happens is, as you can imagine, your heel strikes, there has to be some internal rotation that does occur, and your IT band, the muscles that connect to it, are fighting that internal rotation, trying to limit it as they are being stretched and, stre and lengthened. So therefore, strengthening those muscles that are connected to your IT band, in order for it to be relevant to running, you have to strengthen them, not while they're contracting, but while they are lengthening. And I know from my own personal injury, that was huge in really enabling me to really overturn my um, unenviable injury history that I had. And I see it's really big for the runners that I coach too. And most of us are really weak in that regard. You know, we can blame it on our parents because they forced us to wear shoes when we were kids. Mm -hmm. And you know, <laughs> you know, one advantage that East African runners have is that if they walk and ran barefoot as children, their muscles in their legs and in their feet just naturally develop that strength. Whereas we don't have that, so we have to be able to inter we have to be able to compensate for that and to strengthen our feet and lower legs in a running specific way. And I know we also have a uh, you talk about these uh, exercises, and I, I'm sure we're going to go on to ask in a minute about um, you know about your coaching and more more information about it. But uh, Runners Connect, I don't know if you've ever seen it. We do actually have a strength training for runners program, which uh, I will put a link to in the show notes at runnersconnect.net forward slash RC79. Um, and, uh, you know, we found with a lot of our clients, that, you know, that it makes a huge difference. And if you are really wanting to stay injury free, which is what most runners, you know, the number one priority is that it's so big and I'm so so glad that Bennett has put such a emphasis on this. And can you just share a few few maybe exercises, maybe two or three exercises that uh, would be examples of what you would give for those specific exercises? Sure. Let's look at our good friend the IT band again. 
Um, <laughs> you know, if you go to a gym, you know, let's say if one were to go to a gym and you say you want to strengthen muscles on your outside of your leg, they put you on a station where you're pushing weights out, you know, where you're pushing weights outward. But again, yeah. those muscles are contracting as they're exerting force, not relevant to running. So one of the exercises that I, re that I really like is called the Frankenstein IT, the Frankenstein IT marching band. Did you make that up? No, I didn't actually. I got, <laughs> no, um, I made up neither. I didn't make, I didn't make up the exercise, nor did I make up the name. I'm not that creative. Um, <laughs> I, no, actually I got that from a, um, old periodical called Running Research News by, it used to be published by Dr. Owen Anderson. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. it's no longer being published. Um, but he talks that he describes the ex he describes the exercise and how to perform it, and all you need is actually a set of resistance bands, and you can do it in the right. privacy of your home. Yeah, and that's my favorite. You know, that's my absolute favorite for ice okay. issues. Okay, great. And then uh, just one more thing I kind of wanted to ask about. Uh, what about when it comes to mentally uh, for women over 40? Have you found there's a difference for, you know, motivating during a race or, you know, how to stay mentally tough or what to think about during a race? Is there a difference between age in that? I find that the difference tends to be more gender-related gender and for women who've never had coaching before you know I think as a competitive athlete you know Tina you know that's something that obviously you cover your training and that you have to you know and that you practice regularly so you can make sure that you're bringing your a game to the your a game to the race not only physically <laughs> but mentally too whereas I think for women who are especially those who are adult onset runners and those who've never had coaching before um, mental training, it's horribly lacking from a lot of training programs there. And, um, you know, running and racing long distances successfully is as much a mental challenge as a physical challenge. Mm -hmm. So here are some, th you know, I can give three tips on in terms of how to, and mental strategies that one can incorporate into, tra you know, into training and racing. Uh, number Great, one. yeah. Number one, visualization. But I'm not talking about your mother's visualization or like 1980s New Age California kind of visualization. <laughs> this is called, what I like to use is the acronym is VAC, V-A-K, standing for visual, auditory, and kinesthetic or feeling. So what we're doing is that we're incorporating three different senses, you know, into your visualization. So let's look, for example, visually. You imagine how you'll look as you approach the finish line. You're taking powerful strides. Your arms are pumping in perfect unison with your legs. You have a broad smile on your face. You see your goal time on the overhead clock. And you see the cheering crowds as you cross the finish line. And your arms are raised triumphantly. Now, then we look at auditory. You hear your rhythmic breathing as you approach the finish line. You hear the crowd clapping and cheering. Hear the announcer calling your name as you cross the finish line. Hear the enthusiastic congratulation of family and friends and all your supporters shouting, you did it. And just kinesthetically, how are you going to feel? You feel pure joy as you approach the finish line. Your body is completely alive as you summon and engage all your physical and mental resources for your final surge. You cross the finish line with 
feel the volunteer putting the medal around your neck and the warm embrace of family, friends, and supporters. And you realize. Oh. So you can see that it's far more powerful than just imagining, you know, what, imagine yourself running as a gazelle. Oh, absolutely. I don't know if anyone listening right now is not, you know, smiling. I'm hoping you all are because I absolutely am. And I've used that tactic before and it, it works so well. And even if it doesn't work, it just makes you feel good. Like right now, <laughs> like when you were just describing that, like I actually, funnily enough, have my, uh, the listeners can't see this, but I have my moment of that sitting right next to me on in a frame because, uh, in a picture frame, because that, you know, that's what I like to think about. And I, if you haven't tried that before, the that's the best description I've ever heard from Bennett there um, of how to really, really feel it. And, you know, he's talking about actually feeling it, like when you're thinking about this moment and you are visualizing crossing that line. And he said about, you know, raising your hands in the air, do it. Don't just sit there and imagine it. Put your hands up in the air and imagine doing it. I did that on a few of my runs uh, <laughs> in my training build-up, and I'm sure people thought I was crazy, but I didn't care because it, I felt good and I was happy and I knew I'd never see those people again. But do it and really give that a try because what Bennett just said there, that is a huge aspect of mental training. And uh, as an elite, I can definitely back that up, that that's the biggest one I use. So go on, I'm Bennett. I'm glad it works for you. Um, mm -hmm. Second tip, just during tough workouts, think of someone you know who's completed that workout and you just say to yourself, she can do it, I can do it too. Simple, it's a simple mantra, but it will shift your focus away from just negative and internal doubts to towards positive physical action. And I use it, okay. I use this one too, and sometimes I have my clients inspire me, you know, when I'm, I'm doing a tough workout and I think, well, this particular client, she does this workout, she completes it, said, she can do it, I can do it too. Kind of like the Roger Bannister four-minute mile thing. Mm -hmm. Once it was done once, other people saw they could do it. Sure, Landy said, if Roger can do it, I can do it too. <laughs> I don't know if that's quite, I don't know if I could ever break a four-minute mile, but you get the, you get what we're saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, and what's tip number three? If you're being coached and you're following a training program that was specifically designed for you, Remember that your coach would not ask you to complete a challenging workout if they didn't think you were capable of it. You know, and many really? times runners have to suspend their own doubts and just do what the workouts that ask them to do, and they can pleasantly surprise themselves. Now, I'll share with you a story about a client by the name of Joanne. She was 58 years old, and I remember when we were, had our uh, regular check-in call, and I was asking her to do a specific hill workout next. And she said, are you conspiring with my husband to kill me and split the insurance money? <laughs> you know, and after chuckling, I said, no, no, Joanne, you know, just put your doubts aside, do the workout and let me know how it goes. And sure enough, she was able, she pleasantly surprised herself. She was able to complete the workout, but she never would have done it if I hadn't asked her to do it. So just remember, if you're following, you know, if you're being coached, following a program that was designed for you, your coach wouldn't ask you to do a workout he or she did not believe you're capable of doing. So just quickly, enhanced visualization, number one, if she can do it, I can do it, is number two. And number three, if your coach thinks you can do it, you can do it. 
Yeah, great advice there. Really, really helpful. And that's just not not just for, you know, uh, women over 40 or even women in general. I think everyone can use those. So those are that's great advice there. So let's kind of finish up with you kind of telling us a bit more about the International Association of Women's Runners. Do you want to give us a bit of background on what that is? Sure. So what we do is we're an online. So we provide online resources to help women runners over 40 race their best and race their best injury-free, regardless of age. We publish the world's only weekly newsletter that focuses on women runners over 40. Uh, we provide, as I mentioned, we provide personalized coaching for women over 40. Um, and, you know, what I'd like you to do is to go to our website and grab our free weekly newsletter. Every issue contains tips on training, injury prevention, nutrition, and other issues relevant to women runners, so you can improve mm -hmm. your running and racing. Our website is www.iawr-connect.com. That's www.iawr-connect.com. You'll join our over 8,000 subscribers to our free weekly newsletter. Um, and, um, you know, sure that you'll be able to find that they'll be, have very helpful information to help improve the running in race. That's great. And I will also put a link to that in the show notes, uh, for anyone listening who's, you know, out driving or exercising and doesn't have a pen right now, uh, at runnersconnect.net forward slash RC79. So, uh, Bennett, um, is there anything else you would like to say to any, uh, female listeners over the age of 40 that we would like to keep in their mind as the end of this uh, podcast sure. to, uh, as they move about their day? Sure. Um, you'd mentioned about Catherine Switzer before. I've had the pleasure of interviewing her on three separate occasions. And I remember the very first time I interviewed her and she was talking about running specifically for women. And she said, running is the chance to become the hero in your own life. So I, oh, I love that. And, you know, that's just one, you know, one thing that I totally agree with her on. And it's one thing to keep in mind. It's a tremendous opportunity for personal transformation. Absolutely. Great. Thank you so much. That's a, that's a great quote. And Catherine is amazing. So if you haven't listened to that episode with her yet, make sure you do. And uh, I'm sure Bennett has, uh, you can find her interviews with you at some, somewhere as well. Um, so thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure a lot of uh, our listeners have got a lot out of this. And hopefully you've gained some confidence from this that, uh, you know, age does not have to be a uh, inhibiting factor, neither does gender. So um, thank you, Bennett. And I appreciate your time. You're welcome, Tina. My pleasure. Hopefully now you believe in yourself. And after that interview, you can see that you can put yourself first, especially if you spent the rest of your life looking after others. Like Bennett said, be your own hero. Thank you to Catherine Switzer for that one. If you want to sign up to get emails from Runners Connect, as I know Bennett is a huge fan and, uh, you know, you may have read some of our other articles, I promise we will not spam you. You can just text us. So all you need to do is send a message with the word TINA to 66866. Yep, it's that simple. Just text the word TINA to 66. 866. If you've not already subscribed to the podcast, I would love if you would do so through the podcast app on your phone. However, if I am confusing you with this, 
or if I confuse you when I ask you how to leave a review, please email me, tina at runnersconnect.net, and then I can make a tutorial on how to do so. If you don't understand, the chances are there are a lot of others who don't understand also. So I just need to know that I'm not making something clear and then I can help fix it. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you have a great week of running.